Hello, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know. We are a podcast about the classical world, old books, history, art, theology, philosophy, that sort of thing. My name is A.J. Hannenberg, and I'm joined by two of my bros, Graham Donaldson. Hello. <laughs> what? <laughs> and Thomas Magby. Hello. I was, oh, man, you guys. I was trying to add a little bit of some, like... I don't know. Solemnity? Aristoc- a little, yeah, solemnity. A little uh, was? aristocratic elegance. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, we are raining on your parade. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, aristocratic elegance is nothing. I've never been accused of that. Um, okay. So today we are talking about uh, hunting in uh-huh. Africa. Yeah. Um, yeah. Specifically... Mm. A guy that has been always been an advocate against it. He mm. he really wants to collect all of the populations of large mammals yeah. and uh, make sure they're protected. So he does some elephants, but primarily hippos. Primarily hippos. That's correct. To the uh, point where he was considered of the hippos. Yeah, of the hippos. He's kind of like and accepted by the hippos. <laughs> yeah, it was a really sweet. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that a lot. He appropriated yeah. hippo culture. Yeah, he. Yeah, now <laughs> those are his later years, Graham. So we will get to that. The controversy around the man. Yeah. Yeah, but he really. I mean, he really only works in one season. Mm-hmm. Can you guys, it's August. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So primarily August. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. He's the Steve Irwin of summer. The, yeah. mm-hmm. okay. He's the Steve Irwin of August? Of, of the, the hippo world, right? Steve, I guess that sounds exactly right. Yeah. Crikey. Oi, crikey. That is what the man himself always liked to say. Um, yeah. We're talking about Augustine of Hippo. So well done. I, I wasn't sure if you, the other angle to take this is to talk about Augustine of hip hop. Uh, Graham made some references to this before the podcast began. Is, is this a, it is, is a sweet Twitter handle. Is this one that you follow? I don't actually, I think someone retweeted and I laughed, I, but I didn't follow it's it. Lovely. So anyway, if you're looking for a combination of hip hop and Augustine, then boy, <laughs> oh boy, is Twitter the place for you. 23,000 followers. Oh, is that geez, crazy? oh yeah. my goodness. That's about how many we have, right? Graham, yeah. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. 22,000. <laughs> 22. Just move that place a few, then man, you are so close. Mm-hmm. Okay. We are talking. We have 96 followers. Is that, why do really? you know I that? think it's something like why that. Why do you know that number? I, that, I mean, I just, it's around there. It's probably even less than that. That's like when you're like, yeah, I don't know really how many yards I rushed for in high school. <laughs> yes. It was, it was 1198. Yeah. <laughs> Approximately, maybe. I can't really, I couldn't really say. Uh, so it turns out when I was on Augustine of Hippo's twitter page i was actually logged in as classical stuff so should i like all of their tweets is that mm-hmm. a thing i should do sure okay great i'm gonna go ahead and do that get some pity followers <laughs> i'm sorry by liking people <laughs> i get pity followers i don't know how twitter works. internet's based so what until the internet works oh is it okay so we will talk about augustine of hippo okay so a few episodes ago we talked about um disciplina which uh, we talked about the Roman conception of discipline and how Augustine had some thoughts on that. I think I mentioned as a part of that podcast that I had intended to go through four biographies and talk about four important dudes in history. And again, the inciting, like the reason for talking about these four in particular is that at Veritas Academy, we have a house system into which all high schoolers and core teachers are placed. So they are all there. Everyone is placed into the house of um, the house of St. Augustine, the house of Bonhoeffer, the house of Francis, and the house of Mueller. So, I'm sorry. Could you, when you can I rank them? Ref- actually, no, no, can you make ref- when you make reference to Francis? Can you use the full title of what we've earned this past year? Uh, what ha- is the, what you guys keep saying a word and I can't hear it. I, I hear Mueller. Uh-huh. I hear Augustine. Augustine. Yeah, I hear Bonhoeffer. Uh-huh. And then I just hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like just. A, it's like, it's like a, a, I mean, the 2018-2019 yeah. House Cup champion, yeah. House of St. Francis. Okay, so just to be okay. clear, just, what, I, what I should be saying house, is, who? okay, so uh, everyone is placed into one of four houses, three-time winner uh, Augustine, uh, <laughs> two-time winner Bonhoeffer, two-time winner Francis, and three-time winner Mueller. Is that what I should be saying? I actually don't know if those numbers are. How many times have you all won the House Cup? Probably. Uh, I think two or three. It's either two or three. Yeah. Sorry. So... I feel like when I no, I should list them in order of fi- end of year ranking, right? Isn't that how that works? So we've listed them. We can move on. Okay, are you sure? <laughs> Everyone, I've said my bit. Great, Francis won last year, guys. Okay, I love the competition; it's wonderful. But we are not starting with Francis because of reasons. So, uh, Saint Augustine of Hippo. What do we know about the man, the myth, the legend? What do y'all know about him? His name is pronounced. It's originally Augustinus. That is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he had a deal with Paris. He did have a deal with Paris. Yep. That, um, is, that, is, that is true. Uh, he, he had a bastard child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He got naked in a courtroom. 
Um, I don't think I found that one. What? Uh, was, it, was that him or was that Francis? I think it's Fran- that's Francis. Oh, Are you one? sure? Yes. Francis gets naked a lot. Where he tried to stop the war? Francis takes off his clothes and he's like, you know, you can have my riches and that kind of thing. That, that was it? Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I was getting yeah, those yeah, two yeah, mixed yeah. up. Yeah. Sorry. That was weird. My bad. Yeah. Anyway. No. Um, Augustine, he also uh, became a bishop. Became a bishop. That's true. That is the thing about him. Um, he wrote City of God. City of God. He confessed. He, he also wrote the confessions. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And confessed. I Didn't suppose. he have? A, he wasn't the one with the golden tongue. That was no, that's uh, Chrysostom. Yeah, um, and he also helped kind of appropriate Platonic thought into Christianity. Yeah, this, it's an interesting. Yeah, we'll get to that. He he was really critical of the classical world. He didn't appreciate the mingling of the classical and Christian world. So a perfect fit for a <laughs> classical. That's what I, I love that. Christian. So we have him as one of our like patron dudes yeah. of, of our houses, but he, I don't think he would agree with our project. Like he would have serious reservations. So no, he would agree with our project in terms of the medieval version of yeah, classical sorry, he education. He liked classical education, um, but had problem with like the wholehearted acceptance of the classical world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, was highly cl- critical of the classical world. That's all I'm trying to say with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. He would, he would have lots of questions, I guess. I never met the guy. I wouldn't really know. Okay. So one the, day. Uh, yeah, I guess that is the plan. Um, so Augustine, uh, he's born in uh, 354 uh, AD. He's born in Northern Africa. Carthage. Uh, yeah. It's um, that always, um, that name always sounds just like slaughter to me. Cause it's so close Carthage. to carnage. Carthage yeah. It, yeah. And also because of the whole, you know, like uh, um, what's the dude across the Alps. Oh, um, uh, with the Hannibal. And the, Hannibal, yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, and, and um, Carthage was known for um, sacrificing babies. Yeah, um, I might get this wrong. He he will eventually move to Carthage. He's born mm-hmm. in a region, um, I'm going to... Is it like I, Algeria? Yeah, like Algeria, it's modern-day Algeria. Mm-hmm. So uh, the I think the running thing is how bad my pronunciations are. Uh, uh, T-H-A-G-A-S-T-E, Thagaste, Thagaste is the name of the town. Uh, it's, but currently it's modern day Algeria is where it is. This region is also part of the region of Hippo. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he is both from Hippo. He will eventually return to Hippo. Uh, a thing that is, is that a prestigious region? Is no, that a backwater this is, this region? Is, it, it, it's backwater. It's, it's the very, it's the edge of the Roman empire. So it's like as far out as it goes, gets to this kind of like, uh, just like Canada. Yeah, it's just I can't wait. So just to be clear, Canada is the outward of the American of Empire. The United States. Yeah, I just want to make sure you got that right. Okay, good. Thanks. You are the hat that's at the top of uh, your empire. Okay. <laughs> what, what? The lame apartment above the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah this, is, this is good. Quiet down. <laughs> that's most of what we hear. Okay. So he's born Sorry. in this region. It's not a, it's not a great region. It's not a prestigious region. region. Uh, a, an impo- he has many important figures in his life. We'll only talk about a few of them uh, due to time constraints. Oh, and I, I said this two episodes ago, but I'm mostly operating from a biography of Augustine by Peter Brown. It is great. I think it, it is just called Augustine of Hippo. So I highly recommend it. A contemporary? Peter Brown is? Yeah. Of what? Augustine? That's uh, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, he's a time traveler, so <laughs> he spent some time with uh, the man himself. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> I would just like a man named Peter Brown to be born in 354. Yeah, Can you, you imagine go. that? Yeah, that sounds. Okay, so that's when he's born in Hippo. Uh, an important figure in his life is uh, Monica, uh, his his mother. Um, he will, uh, he's very close to his mother uh, all of her life because she'll die before he does. But um, she also mm, kind of is, it's hard to read the the account of Monica and Augustine because she come she can come across as controlling, um, manipulative, um, you know, coercive, all these negative words. But Augustine like doesn't view her that way. Like mm-hmm. he he holds her in high esteem even in her kind of shadier moments. Uh, it, important things to know about him is that he had um, he had a lover for 15 years. So I think it started around, I think it was when, from when he was 17 and then that would make it till 32, I think is how that works and had a son, um, uh, uh by that woman. Um, don't, I don't believe we know who, who she was or what her name was. Augusta will not recount this. Clarice of Hippo. Clarice, Clarice. I don't like that. We've got Hannibal. We've got Clarice. What's going on? Yeah, yeah seriously. What's, what's going on there? I just watched Silence of the Lambs again recently. Yeah. Is it, is it age well? Yeah. I mean, it, it's a super bummer and, Anyway, it's a good movie. I mean, it's a horrible movie. It has bad things in it. Don't watch it. 
Um, Augustine's son, Adeodatus, A-D-E-O-D-A-T-U-S, Adeodatus, will live until about 17, if I'm reading my numbers correctly. So he lives until about the age when Augustine had him, mm. so about 17 years old, and then will die. Um, my understanding is we don't know the cause of his death, but listenership, oh, please yeah, pass that along. Um, what is interesting in Augustine, and we'll get to this, was kind of our next set of themes, is that in Augustine's writing, we Wait, will... Wait, did you say... I'm sorry, just yeah. go back for a second. Sure. He left, or he ended the relationship with the... Yes, I didn't say that, but around I Around 17, and the, and the child started. died at 17? Sorry, when? he started the relationship at 17. Yeah. They were... Him and the lover were together for 15 years. Do you know when they had the child? Um, like, did the, did the oh, death of the child end the relationship? Must I guess not. No. The time doesn't add up. I don't think, I don't think so. Anyway. Um... Oh, so sorry. That would be 354 plus 17 is 371, and Adiotis will die in 388. Okay. So um, I'm sure I'm getting my numbers wrong in there, but there's some difference. So, sorry, the reason the relationship has ended is uh, because Monica wants to set, wanted to set Augustine up with a, like an appropriate suitable marriage. And so uh, we'll encourage Augustine to end that relationship and kind of just drop this person who he's been with again for 15 years, long-term relationship uh, for the dang, for the purpose of entering into a relationship essentially for status, um, status Mm -hmm, and money. mm -hmm. So So, and so like continue his career. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's what Monica wants for, um, for Augustine. Um, That arranged marriage will not happen. So, Instead, Augustine will end up becoming a priest and will um, remain celibate after all of this. So he has this 15-year kind of scandalous thing happening. Maybe not scandalous because he's not married. Peter Brown makes it sound like it's a very normal social arrangement that Augustine had. Yeah. For, uh, again, early in his life. Yeah, I mean, that it, it's not like having a concubine and a child in you know uh, this time in the roman empire is out of the scandalous right yeah Yeah, it's like the scandalous thing thing. um but so i mean and this is uh again when you're thinking when christianity comes on the scene and has its precepts towards marriage Mm. and talks about um the sanctity of this and also the uh, the relationship between husband loving their wives wives submitting to husbands um it is maybe to our modern ears seems a little like old-fashioned and and regressive mm. in some maybe to some modern ears, but to the ancient world, it is a um, a pretty uh, um, um, what's not, transgressive is the wrong word, but it's it's a it's a pretty uh, a paradigm um, busting um, um, stance right. on on these kinds of relationships because yeah. Um, Marry, being with with somebody, having a child, and then casting them off to go off and, and be married for some sort of political gain was a pretty common Normal. thing. Right. Um, and sort of status and name and family name and reputation or everything, and marriage was the thing that helped solidify this. So it wouldn't have been – so it's kind of like a, a, a raw deal for the concubine. Right. Um, but and that's, anyway, so and, that's and, just and, how they're out of the podcast altogether. But. Also weird in that sense of not even being brought up uh, by name, not – going more into that so part of what I like about Augustine and in getting to know him through his thought is that he, so I am not calling him St. Augustine. Maybe I should, but when I think of like saints or holy people, I think of people who are totally unlike me or people who are, they were perfect from day one and they lived in sinlessness and then died. Perfect. It makes me uncomfortable when you talk about me on the podcast. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what I meant to say is St. AJ Hannenberg. Now I don't think you can be yeah. sainted before you die, but had then they met like, A.J. Hannenberg. Yeah, yeah. Be, beatific, be, what's, how do you pronounce Beatified. that word? Beatified yeah. or the beatific vision of oh, God oh, sorry, at like yeah, six sorry. years old and then never <laughs> sinned yes. again. Yeah. And you're like, all right, well, yeah. I can't relate to that. But that, that's not the story of Augustine, a guy who will eventually become sainted, who will, mm-hmm. who will eventually look back to and revere, had this very normal social, had this very normal relationship with a concubine, had a kid out of wedlock, um, uh, ascribed to heresies, which we'll get to in a second. And was horrible to up and rising uh, members of the Catholic Church. That's later in life, which we might get to. He hor- like messed up in all these significant ways, but still succeeded in sainthood. Still succeeded in finding some some sort of holiness. Um, so I find deep hope in his story. And I guess that's what we'll get to eventually. Okay, so let's get on to heresies. So because oh yeah, this is yeah, all I want, all I ever want to talk about. Okay, so. 
We've been of, down this road. Yeah, a, a couple of times. Well, part of what I didn't realize is how uh, how many of these are just tied into the life of uh, Augustine. So the our first of three heresies that we'll talk about right now is Manichaeism. What do you all remember about Manichaeism? What is Manichaeism? Um, oh, gosh, it's been so Screw long. the Old Testament. <laughs> sure, that's good. Is that it? Well, also... I mean, screw most of like the Bible when mm. you get down to it. So full on um, uh, Manichaeism will have these like really what the important, the important part is that there's this battle between good and evil. Good and evil are two equal and opposite forces and they just kind of go back and forth. So that's Manichaeism. You also get it like, it's essentially a, uh, it will be tied to Christianity, but it doesn't like, you don't get Manichaeism from. So it's this Bible. epic struggle of like, of Almost this yin yang kind of thing, like this yes. epic struggle struggle of good versus evil, and good just needs like two more levels of power in yep. order for the, or even uh, it, uh, man, uh, the world needs like more good people. Like mm. if we got more good people, we would fix all the problems. We could finally overthrow the powers. Yeah. Yes, and I think there are pieces of Manichaeism that will eventually lead to Pelagianism, which is the heresy will end. It's like a bad is. RPG storyline. Uh, yes, I was going to say, I've heard that there's so many enemies. stories. have to save the world. <laughs> the balance is off. Yeah. But that's, okay. So this is Manich- just an this, Eastern this is, idea. This is a tangent. They're the larks This is a tangent. Look, can we talk about Star Wars world. for a second? Okay. We can talk about Thank Star Wars for a this second. Will be a, this will be a short tangent. It's, this is all I ever want. Because I think Star podcast. Wars is, manichae, is manichaeistic or whatever. Oh, it's Gnostic, okay. I would say. Anyway. Sure, that's great. But okay, here's my, here's my thing. Okay, so Star Wars is all about this balance between mm-hmm. good and evil, the yes. light side and the dark side, correct? Mm-hmm. Is the dark side evil in the Star Wars mythos? Yeah, I mean, these guys are punks. It's okay, the dark but, side. But if you need a balance, so if you need a balance, you need to have the dark side. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, if it were evil, it should be eradicated. Like, mm-hmm. evil things should we should not have evil things. We should mm-hmm. only need good things. So, how can the dark side be evil if it is necessary? Yeah. Give me an answer, guys. Come on. It sounds like you're trying to burn the sacred texts. Eating broccoli. The sacred texts. We didn't need those books anyway, or whatever Yoda says. Yeah. yeah they weren't page turners, I think, was the, whatever it was. Yeah. You got to eat broccoli. Oh that's evil. Broccoli is not evil. Um, no. I mean, I guess in the Star Wars mythos, like, it's the. Isn't that like, you know, Palpatine's uh, way that he seduces Anakin is like, you, they need us. They need the dark side. The dark side's like, got where all the f- good music is. <laughs> it's, like, it's like modern conceptions I, of hell. Like, why do I want to go to heaven? All the yeah. party's going to be hell. Have I ever told you the story of Darth Pelagius the Wise, right? Like, Thank you. Yeah. That's, so, I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> that's I feel, like, the, we, uh, I feel just, like we just found our first <laughs> classical stuff shirt. Like, Darth have Pelagius, I only told Pelagius. you the story of Darth Pelagius? Well, that, that is what, that's what, what uh, what's his face says. So, you're right. That's I think a, Star Wars does have a manichae heresy to it in that it needs this balance. It, in that it's sort of Eastern in its... Ah, in a sense, so th- th- that there's that the yin yang, the balance yep. of between these these forces, and then, and then there's some sort of you know the teleology is that there's some sort of end game yep. where there's a balance, and yep. then within that balance we have some sort of like greater state that we achieve. It's almost like a Hegelian dialectic. So maybe my problem is more Star Wars ought to be perfect uh, philosophy, but I just don't know how to think. Yeah, if it if a thing is necessary, it shouldn't be evil. Like. The world is possible. Well, I mean, this is the Christian theological principle, which is that evil is a twisting of good. Evil is a, as opposed to a thing in and of itself. And that's what the Manichees don't believe. The Manichees believe that there are things that are evil that exist in and of themselves as evil. Whereas Orthodox Christianity would say, no, anything that exists that we would call evil is a twisting of good. You should go back. Is that, and is that to an, our, yeah? That's uh, we talked about this on the podcast. Um, uh, the introduction Lost. to Paradise Lost, yeah, and are those yeah. Augustinian theological principles? I think they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yes. He he is fun. So this fits in very nicely with the Republic being our last episode. So we're early on in Augustine's life. He likes the Manichae uh, worldview. He will eventually very much like the Platonic worldview also. Well, it's very romantic, right? Yeah. Good versus evil. Yeah. But he, uh, the only piece of poetry we have of his, I don't have the line in front of me, sorry, is some form of saying like God made the world good. So he, he works from a place of saying equal of good and evil to a Platonic to say the spirit is superior to the body, a very typical classical platonic view to eventually saying God actually made this world good and is actually, this is a place for us to enjoy Mm -hmm. um, and receive as a gift. So it takes him 
a long time, but he reaches that point. And again, that's what I like about the guy. Like he gets lots of stuff wrong for a long time um, before ending up in a good place. Okay. So anyway, I don't think we've settled that one. Maybe there are some oh, we have the, settled the philosophical problems in Star Wars. With yeah, sorry. Star Wars bankrupt universe. Bankrupt. How dare you? you oh, monster. I mean the very, whatever. Don't get me started. The fact that we have to have that the, that the sequels are just, other retellings of the, like you mean the new what ones? else can you do you yeah. have the resurgence whatever they're called the rebellion right, versus yeah. the empire yeah. again but they're called well, the well, at least they're the called the, the you know the grievance the no, what are they what called are what are you talking about the grievance he's talking about the new ones the new ones oh the seven and eight uh the grievance no what are the, what's the name you got like it's not the empire it's the first order first order yeah. and then you it's not the rebellion it's the resistance yeah there it is so it's totally it's the different. same at least can thing. the three of us agree and just say on record the last jedi is the best star oh wars goodness. movie ever made do we guys hey, guys hello okay so let's go back to augustine so they destroyed han solo's character the arc. wrath of khan is the best star wars <laughs> movie star ever wars. made yeah. okay single greatest okay. so uh augustine will be drawn to this heresy manichaeism he will be a manichae i guess is the noun i don't know for a decade for a long portion of wow. his life he will he will ascribe to this worldview peter brown gets at why this is an appealing worldview by quoting augustine um that why manichaeans are let me, appealing I'll, I'll re- yeah mm-hmm. i still held the view that it was not I who was sinning, but some other nature within me. I very much preferred to excuse myself and accuse some other thing that was in me, but was not I. But in truth, I was a complete whole. It was my impiety that divided me against myself. So this is, I believe this is from Confessions, Mm. him looking Mm -hmm. back. But it was a very appealing view to say that I, so yes, the world has these cosmic forces of good and evil, one's, you know, in equal and opposite power then to take that inside myself and say, actually I'm made up of a good and, and bad part. They're equal. They fight. So sometimes it's the bad part of me. That's not the real part of me. It's only the good is the real part of me. And I mean, if you think Manichae is dead and buried in the ancient world, <laughs> you are wrong. Yeah. Like that. I mean, yeah. That view is yeah common, right? You hear it in Bible studies. Yeah. just talking, you know, you hear it in churches talking yeah. about like, well, you can see how quickly uh, verses can be pulled out of context into that view talking about the flesh. As I was going to say, old man and new man. And so yeah. there is some significant <laughs> sense in which you are no longer that old man, but you or are. Paul saying, I don't, uh, what I do is, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the phrase? Just so we don't, you know what I'm talking about, but maybe the listeners, listeners don't. Um, what I is do Paul the very saying? thing that I hate. Yes, I do the very thing that I hate and uh, I don't do the thing that I should do. Right. There is no health in me. You, I could see how you could extrapolate from that phrase Paul saying that there's this force inside of me that does bad things that's not me. Right. Um, it makes and, – and, and that's what I'm trying – I think it's a fair place to say to get with Augustine to say he's not like this totally far out heretic. This is a, this is, was a, a commonly held view in – uh, in the church it, far out here yeah oh yeah man so it, it was a it was a popular view held by many people we'll talk more about this in the donatist and the pelagian heresies but most theological views are kind of set by what's popular at the time and it just some things come in favor and some things fall from favor do you think they called like clearly did augustine know oh i am following the manichae no philosophy of christianity or something no uh, I think all of it was called Christianity. Yeah. And so there would be people who would say, this is a thing that's true. Yeah. So same with the Donatists would not say, I'm a Donatist. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get to them in a second. I'm but, just wondering, like, but after t- afterwards, he looks back and says, at that point, I was a Manichae. Yeah, you talk about this in terms of history sometimes, Graham, that the isms come up afterwards. Yeah. So in the moment, it's two people talking. Like, it's in the moment, it's there's um, a view that's, like, so common, no one can give it a name mm-hmm. because they can't, like... Well, that's my. That was going to be my last question: Is yeah. do you think it's is it, is it healthy or is it um, helpful if someone's like, yeah, I did that thing again, but it's just my old self; it's not really me. If you're like, well, no, that's, that's manichaeism. That's manichaeism. Like, Maybe. is that a, are those helpful categories to have in church life? I think it's helpful to know what <laughs> should the, we be calling people heretics more often. Well, the, I, I think this will be somewhat of a classical view. I think the word is not always very helpful. Yeah. So, so the identification of that's manichaeism is not really super helpful. Sure. But I think it's like when you tell people logical fallacies, they generally yeah, don't take they, that well. But but to tell someone <laughs> to quote <what>, <laughs> <to quoque. laughs> okay. It's like All right. whatever. Are you okay? Um, but to say to describe the logical fallacy to describe the heresy can be appropriate to to correct that and say. Yeah you know, the view that you're expressing is, is something that's been condemned by the church or, you know, I, with many of these, I think I would prefer to send people to like the original text Mm -hmm. to say like, 
you're describing a view that's kind of like this. Read the best version of it. Well, this is going to dovetail nicely into next week's really? episode. That's cool. Yeah, because we're right. going to be talking about how do you make theological principles from the Bible. Mm, that's cool. That'll be really good. Um, so I like that. Okay. So uh, sweet Augustine is a heretic. He likes Manichaeism because it lets him kind of get off scot-free and do whatever he wants to do. This is largely the period of life of his life where he's again, doing whatever he wants to. This is, this is preceding his conversion. This is preceding him uh, breaking things off, being kind of forced to break things off with his, um, his lover, his concubine. Um, and again, this is a view that was common inside of the church. Um, Augustine will eventually uh, come to, he has a, a, a series of points that he calls uh, his salvation or um, repentance. There's, we'll get to the confessions later where he talks about the most famous of those, which is him hearing a voice that says to pick up the Bible and read. That's related to the pair stuff that um, Graham was talking about. But um, one of the earlier ones is essentially, a, I would, I think I would call it a conversion from Manichaeism to Platonism. So, to say that these forces are not equal, but there is, there are spiritual truths. Um, and there are, and the spirit is superior to the body and the best form of understanding the spirit is Christianity. That's kind of his first, mm-hmm. um, uh, sell, uh, um, transition, like his first theological change. It's not a perfect theology, but neither is mine. Okay. So he will eventually be baptized and I have that written down somewhere. Oh, he did. So in this time, he, uh, Graham mentioned Carthage. He will travel a lot, Carthage, Milan, Rome. He goes to these, he goes to big cities and he, again, this is Monica wanting to set up for him a really successful career and, uh, he hates it. It, um, he'll eventually call it an empty career. I think I have that quote somewhere later. I'll get that to you in a second. Um, and it was a career in like public oh, speaking, in rhetoric, teaching. Yeah, yeah, teaching rhetoric. Yeah. So he uh, vaguely polit, maybe political. It's more um, teaching. So he there's a story of him in Rome. I think AJ might have talked about this before. That the old way that teachers got paid is that students would pay them like for the course or the or, or the class. And so the way Augustine's classes were were structured is that he would teach them for whatever the term was and then get paid on the last day. Well the first time he goes up there, teaches this class the whole time, no one shows up on the last day to pay him. So he, he ends, yeah, so he, he ends poor. He ends with no money to reflect all the, uh, the time he put into that. Um, and so he gets really bummed out by this. Could have seen that coming. Yeah, I mean, but Veritas pays you guys May 29th, right? One lump sum. Yeah, is that not how everyone is? Yeah, <gasps> That's totally. what it is for me. And it's like, oh, crazy. Okay, so uh, this is all boarded up when you come to school that day. <laughs> oh, come on. What? And they open up the next day. Yeah. Okay. So this is him reflecting on his time in Milan. His career in Milan had been a puffed up occupation, but it was easy for the life of an African bishop also to be a puffed up, uh, to live a puffed up existence. Anyway, he's making Mm -hmm. a comparison, but okay. So he didn't like uh, Milan. He will eventually move back to the same region, Hippo. And I guess we'll talk about his becoming a priest. So, um, Augustine did not want to have a religious vocation. He wanted to teach originally, um, had some kind of like, again, Monica was interested in him uh, pursuing kind of like a political life. That was like a, a prestigious life. It's all moms do. Yeah, exactly. Wanted, and he just want to take care of her kid. Don't blame her. And he goes to a church in, in Numidia, which is that same, which is near, it's about 60 miles away from, or I guess Numidia is the same region as um, where he was born, but mm-hmm. anyway, he's still in Hippo. He goes to a church in Northern Africa. He's, if I'm not mistaken, he's there to like hear, he's like in the town to hang out with a friend. He wants to go hear a bishop speak. And the bishop talks about how there is an urgent need for priests in this region of Hippo. And the crowd kind of knows who this Augustine guy is. And they start like turning around to look at him and they push him to the front of the church and they ordain him. He this is, guy, make this guy priest. Yeah. He's like, he yeah. just gets, Pushed to, he pushed to the front, mm-hmm. and he is made a priest. And Bam. He, he starts crying, and because he's now because he's priest. now a priest, which he didn't want to be, and he has to be celibate. Which that funny quote of "Lord, make me celibate, but not now." Mm-hmm. Like anyway, that's that's Augustine. <laughs> so um, he's lovely. I love him. It's so much. Did he celebrate that? Yeah. That's, Lord, make me celibate, but not yet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, anyway, that's that's my boy. Okay. So, and so God was like, "All right, and now's the time. Today, yeah, his come. Yeah, yeah. We're just gonna push him to the front." Yeah. So he is forced into it. He starts crying. People. Uh, 
Peter Brown records it, that people thought he was crying because they didn't make him like a higher position. They didn't make him bishop immediately. They only made him a priest, which is not why he's crying. <laughs> he's crying because he's being made a priest. I just think that's really lovely. Okay. Um, and he's also a priest in this backwater region of Hippo. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing he had thought he had wanted to go to Milan and again, Milan, Rome, like the bigger cities to make something of himself. This is from Peter Brown. And I thought it was a lovely, Oh, is this not the right quote? I was going to say it's a lovely quote and then read the wrong quote. That would have been a wonderful moment. So Augustine is part of a group of friends. Augustine again, goes to Hippo. Some of his other friends go to Hippo. Some of his friends go to Rome. And this is Peter Brown reflecting on this. So, um, Romanianus and his son came to Italy again. As befitted a member of the traditional Roman governing class, he had come to press his son's fortunes in Rome. Ten years previously, he had been followed by a whole group of serious, ambitious provincials in search of honor and power in Italy, with Augustine among them. So, Augustine wanted power thought he would find that in Rome. Now, most of these men had come to retire forever, ever for, had come to retire forever to little provincial towns in Africa. They must have seemed to have condemned themselves to living in a backwater. Yet this news from Italy is the last we hear of Romanianus and his son. They disappear from history. It is Augustine, Aurelius and Olypius bishops wielding power in little towns over little men who will influence the lives of their fellow provincials far more intimately than ever the other guy who went to Rome could have done with his many lawsuits and his distance in his distant ambitions. It is in such ways that all roads no longer ran to Rome. Mm-hmm. I like that. So cool. it's not the size of where he's Bishop. It is that he like loves his people. He is committed to yeah. the smaller group of people. I think there's a lot to that of being wary of seeking ambition, um, seeking fame that Augustine went after that and he achieved it. Like he got to teach in the place with like the smartest people and hated it. It was miserable. Um, and instead got to accomplish all of his intellectual goals, all of his like intellectual exercises by being in Austin, Texas, Austin, Texas, Veritas Academy yeah. just, by, uh, by going against like what was considered like the path to success. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to that. So, all right, that is our boy. He will, uh, he, he becomes a priest. He's still like not, uh, again, he's more platonic than he is like Christian at this point. And he will eventually uh, be upset with himself for following Platonism for so long. I'm flipping to a quote. It's in, it's in the confessions and it's just basically him saying that he, he grieves that he did not come to it sooner. Um, I won't read it, That it's, he will eventually relent of Platonism as well, which is kind of what we talked about. Okay. Next heresy that is important to the life of Augustine is donatism. donatism. What do Called you it. all remember? Oh, man. Okay. Let me see. Donatism. Is donatists. Is this the one where we're not going to have priests be priests after they've recanted their faith under torture? Uh, yes. That, I appreciate you even remembering. Yes. Yeah. So. I usually summer- work, Grim. Thanks. Yeah, I, uh, I uh, worked in my flash, my heresy flashcards Thanks, before yeah, I came. It's the only thing I ever talk about. So I'm, I have a hard time rem- remembering any of these, and it's made even worse by my like frantic search for fun puns to say uh, as yes. soon as you say the name. Mm, like I was, mm-hmm. I was cooking up donut shops and donut that shop? sort of That's thing. Good one. I, I didn't really, Sorry. you know, I don't, I don't know why I remember manichees and donatus. I just, and you'll know Pelagian after this, right? Okay, uh, I th- is that the get back to the garden guy? Get back to the garden. Like we can make Eden again. Just yeah, basically. By, yeah, yeah, yeah. That we we can be perfect. Man. Okay, you're weird. You're make, okay, so for those who don't, make America Eden again. That's right. <laughs> yep, that's that. Graham is running for president in 2020. In I the, can't. I'm not a citizen. Oh, sorry. AJ is running for uh, president in 2020. Which party would you uh, run? Actually, for? yeah, I I totally are you old enough. How old are you? Uh, I'm 34. I'll be 35 next you year. Know, you got to be 36, don't you? 35. 35. I'm 35. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. So I can write you in in 2020. You can certainly okay. write me in. When you write someone in, do you have to? It doesn't matter what. You don't pick a party for them. You can just write in their name, right? I don't think so. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So Donatus ultimately is not going to matter. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Oh, we Sorry. Podcast listeners, write in. No, don't. No, no. Wait, don't do that. Okay. So, Please don't waste your, waste your vote. <laughs> how dare you imply that you can't win. Okay. So the Donatus, Graham just summarized this. I'll just read like the full story because this is because I'm in control of the podcast. Around 311, the African communities found themselves in a position similar to that of members of a resistance movement whose country had begun to settle down to the complexities and compromises of peacetime. Too many bishops, it was thought, had collaborated during the last, the great persecution of Diocletian in 303 to 305. 
They had handed over copies of the Holy Scriptures to be burnt by the pagan magistrates. This craven act, the handing over of the holy books, would have deprived... The sacred texts! Yeah. <laughs> so everything is Star Wars. Okay. Would have deprived the guilty bishop of all spiritual power. It was believed that uh, Cassilian, Bishop of Carthage, had been ordained by such a traitor. It was a simple matter for 80 Numidian bishops, so Numidia, again, is that region that Augustine is in, in 311, to declare his, the bishop's, ordination invalid and to elect another bishop in his place. Because you were ordained by some punk? Because you were ordained by a bad bishop. Yeah, yeah. So a bad bishop who had given up books, ordained this bishop, and so they said that that ordaining was didn't count. Yeah. And so they made another one and Donatus is that other guy. So this peer Bishop of Carthage was soon succeeded by another Donatus. And it was he who as a rival Bishop to Carthage gave his name to what we call the Donatus church. So the, yeah. So, um, uh, uh, people who are not Christian take over this region. They ask for Bibles and under, you know, torture and threat of death. They do in fact give up those scripture. People are then mad afterward and say that those priests are no longer real priests because they like messed up in a real, I mean, uh, they were put in a really bad situation. It probably is not a great thing to have scripture burned, but it's also a great thing to not die. So yeah, is the easy way to put that. So the Donatists would say that any priest who had given up those Bibles were no longer real priests and that that bishop was a fake bishop. Mm-hmm. So that is the Donatist uh, controversy. Uh, Augustine does not give in to this controversy. He will indeed fight it. He, in a number of times, will debate members of that opposing view. And I think, and there's something about that I really like, that he, there's no view that he was like dismissive of, or we don't have like recordings of that, but views that he would wildly disagree with, he would still engage with, and they would find their uh, uh, point points of agreement. Again, he's mostly de- debating with Christians, so finding that, uh, agreeing on scripture, agreeing on scripture being foundation of a worldview and then getting as far into agreement as possible. Um, but was always, but was willing to engage in those, um, conversations. He eventually becomes crotchety with, again, like I said, a young dude at the end of his life. Um, but for most of his life, he is like a, a rational, reasonable dude. So, okay. So, um, these Donatists would, this is, uh, this is for you, AJ, because I think you'll appreciate this. So these Donatists were like not okay with these messed up priests. Mm-hmm. And so they had withdrawn, they, the Donatists had withdrawn from contact with an unclean society into a coterie of their equals. For Augustine, innocence was not enough. It was only one third of the full range of human relationships to which the good Christian had to expose himself. He must perform a threefold task. He must himself become holy. He must coexist with sinners in the same community as himself, a task involving humility and integrity, but he must also be prepared actively to rebuke and correct them. So uh, Augustine starts kind of a monastery of his own, but Mm -hmm. is like opposed to full on withdrawal from society. He says that it's important to like actually be uh, in contact with people who don't agree with you. But only if you can point out all their faults. Only if you can point out all their faults. Yeah. Yeah. Augustine preserves. Life of the party. Yeah, I know. (laughs) He wouldn't. It's funny because, like, because again, his early life, he's like a crazy dude. Mm-hmm. Like, again, concubine, you know, whatever. And he and he loved going to gladiators and mm-hmm. no theater. Yeah, theater is theater, and that's he very much regrets. There was that. probably some like drinky drinky, yeah, in there sure. too. So again, like wild fun dude. And then by the time he becomes a priest, like totally uh, recants of all that mm-hmm. stuff, but is still uh, engaged with. Like he still talks to people who go to the theater. That's why his comments about the theater are to his. Um, to his flock, to the people who come to his church to warn them about going to the theater. Mm -hmm. So again, he's engaged with people who he disagrees with. I think there's a lot to that. Yeah. I think cloistering yourself, it's, it it runs the possibility of becoming the worst kind of echo chamber. Yeah. Right. I agree with that. And and as those views slowly shift, you can get some really weird stuff going on. Yeah. So I agree with all that. I mean, I think that's why it's important for the medievals that they had like a set rule that didn't shift and, you know, wasn't, wasn't up for debate. Yeah. Yeah. I just know that you're, you are critical of like uh, a certain type of monastery. And I think Augustine agrees with you on that. Yeah. I, isn't, I there, still am. isn't there a place in, no, isn't there a place in Christendom for the, or the, the Carthusians, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. The super, so the ones that are really uh, isolated, like that's not the entirety of Christianity. You wouldn't want to say that everybody needs to be that or, or else they're not, holy but isn't there room for that i think um 
so I, I, I went to a monastery last summer in Kentucky, um, uh, the St. Gethsemane uh, Abbey in uh, in Kentucky. It's the monastery. Benedictine? That, yes, it's the uh, monastery that, um, it's Trappist, sorry. Oh. Which I think might fall under, I always forget, Trappist falls under something bigger. Um, but they... They have it's, the order. it's a beer category. That's all. <laughs> that's all you need to know. They have a, a the big uh, order. I was t- thinking the same thing. Yeah. Well, I already made a donut pun. I was like, is know. that a tripel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pretty sure it is actually. Um, and in uh, as a part of the monastery, there's like a, a one of the um, monks who is like assigned to talk to people who are staying there. Anyway, one of his things was like, there are people who come here and say, I want to be a monk. And they say, why do you want to be a monk? And they say, I want to get away from the world. Like, I hate the world. The world is the worst. I need to like escape into this monastery and like, then I'll be happy here. And they reject those people. They say those people aren't allowed to come to the monastery because that's mm-hmm. the people who are in the monastery love the world. Mm-hmm. They, and out of the love for that world, they are praying for the world. That's but the so, uh, Augustine's, um, criticism is that they're not doing anything. Is that the donatists are not doing yeah, this. Sure, the donatists sure, sure. are going off to the hills and being like, we're better superior. Like, yeah. yeah. We're going to be around people who are like us gotcha. and we'll be morally superior to all the mm-hmm. people around us. Yeah. So there's a certain type of that. Again. I mean, being able to draw that distinction between that, we just said, we're going to go be by ourselves and screw everybody else. And we're better than everybody. Yeah. And then what you, the, the story you just told about the monk who, who says that, you know, they the monastery should actually love the world right. is a big hinge on which this whole Benedict option conversation is hanging, but yep. no one really talks about it in those kinds of ways. Because I usually think of Benedict option as we hate the world so much, we must withdraw from it. Yeah. And that's not, and I, and to, re, to read the rule of St. Benedict is to see exactly. a man who deeply loves. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, I forget the exact phrasing of it, but this this is the quote out, um, uh, up on um, the walls of St. G- uh, uh, Gethsemane Abbey is... Um, must be Gethsemane, not St. Gethsemane, it's Gethsemane Abbey, um, is welcome, uh, it's welcome all travelers as if they were Christ himself. Mm-hmm. That That is the the command of St. Benedict. And that is not normally how the Benedict option is is framed. Yeah, yeah. it's framed as as like, get away, get your robes, go to the woods, build in the compound. Yeah. And you can be really hard on, you know, monks and their tendency to get away. But I think for most of history, monks were really typically involved with the communities they were in. Yeah, that's yeah. what, I mean, they would, in uh, distrib- they, yeah, they beg food from the people mm-hmm. around. They would, you know, make baskets and sell them, and they would, yeah. they would do all kinds of things. Yeah. Well, and they eventually had this like social co- cohesion um, in that they owned the land and they allowed people to work the land, but they taken the vow of poverty so they didn't exploit the land. Yeah. At least in its in the rosiest in the picture of it. Yeah. That's and what then, we talked about in distributism. Yeah. And right? then that mm-hmm. changes when the land moves from many, many, many monasteries to few lords, and uh, and then you get this sort of right. yeah, this problem. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Let's all become monks. Okay, that was my takeaway from all that. Okay, so, um, uh, so donatism is kind of spreading. It there's an appeal to it of you know I'm better than people. There's a superiority to it, and it spreads and spreads. And eventually, um, uh, uh, the emperor will pass a law forbidding donatism, forbidding people to um, follow the the views of donatism, uh, forbidding people to talk about it, like to. To be a donatist becomes a uh, a crime. And these are the guys who are like, you guys don't count as bishops, yes. right? Yes. So, so the emperor is basically saying like, these dudes are fine. <laughs> like no yeah. one yeah, talk re- bad about these dudes. It's one of those weird things of like, so yeah, uh, the Catholic church is like, is acknowledged by the state essentially. And and what it's hard for us to like look back. There's no separation of church and state in the way that we understand that today. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, 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 government takes sides in this and they, they take sides because there's a donatist uh, riot and I forget if someone was killed or seriously injured, but essentially it was a, what's happening in the backdrop of all of Augustine's life is the, the, the fall of Rome. Um, the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. So like the first sack of Rome is 390. Augustine will live from 354 until 430. So, uh, not that there are many sacks of Rome, I guess, but like, 390 until the end of Augustine's life is a pretty... But it is a psychologically mm-hmm. destabilizing thing yes. because and Rome was supposed to be the sacred city that would never fall. Yeah. And to have Visigoths come in and burn Rome, yes. yeah. I mean, must have been an absolutely horrifying thought to just the mythos of your of your culture and nation and, yep. and well, it was, sort it of was anchoring identity. It was impossible, which is why which, I think... Yes, it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be able to happen. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is why I think it was... It happened is because everyone's like, ah, that'll never happen. So no one ever took measures against it. Yeah. Right. And Augustine will remain 
strangely calm through the whole thing. And we'll talk about that kind of to wrap up in a little bit. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the backdrop of all this is Rome is in some significant way crumbling. Rome is losing its influence. And so in a show of some type of, um, stability, this law comes out against the Donatists. So some, this group of people inside of Rome are starting riots. They are squelched by the state. And that ultimately is what kind of kills the Donatist movement. It's not, a conquering of the ideas it's the power of the state which is kind of i think kind of a bummer yeah. but like here we are it also was anyway whatever they kind of brought it on themselves okay so then so that's the second big heresy of augustine's life so the uh, the one that he will face in his late life is the heresy of pelagianism so uh pelagianism is the does anyone want to define say anything about this one's more like a works righteousness you can yeah. you can work so hard you can uh, that you end up becoming, I think, even your original unfallen state again. Yeah. That it is possible to be completely perfect unfallen again through your through your works in this life. Yeah. So get cracking, kids. Again, I'm so uncomfortable. You guys talk about me on the podcast. <laughs> right here, it's just like, you're so good. How can someone be so holy? So, yes, even more specifically, Augustine is somewhat known for building out the theology, like expanding whatever the theology of original sin. Pelagius will come along and say there is no original mm-hmm. sin. So we're not born with any fault. There's no like problem off the bat. This man never had kids. Never had kids. Yeah. I think he was a monk. He's, he's called like the British monk, uh, but there's apparently some question of like where he was actually from. He really did never have kids. I, I think he was a monk. So Pelagius is funny because we don't actually know a lot about him himself. It's kind of like... um there was another. Yeah, we only know about him and the people that have written against him. Yes, Got so it. we know okay. about we know about the views associated with Pelagius because of the council that condemns his mm-hmm. views, which is like, well, so we don't actually know what the guy said, but this is what is associated with him. Okay, so no original sin. So people can choose good and evil for themselves, and then it's uh, if so if we can choose good and evil for ourselves, then we must choose good. Like mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a heavy weight that is put upon us. Uh, this is so. Again, with the backdrop of all of this like fighting and like war behind us, this is what Peter Brown has to say. In this confusion, the harsh, firm message of Pelagius came as a deliverance. He would offer the individual absolute certainty through absolute obedience. We can see this in the letter of a man who had suddenly fallen under the influence of a noble lady, the nominating figure of a group of Pelagian enthusiasts in Sicily. When I lived at home, I thought that I was being a worshiper of God. Now for the first time, I have begun to know how I can be a true Christian. It is easy to say, I know God, I believe in God, I fear God, I serve God. So there is a certain charm to Pelagianism that it becomes all about me, that it's about my actions and my holiness, and that's kind of easier than receiving grace. And that's eventually what Pelagianism will be condemned of, of denying the doctrine of grace. Yeah, and this is, I mean, um, yeah, this is this is the um, a similar kind of heresy to any to a Protestant uh, heresy of of sort of like a works righteousness, yep. mm-hmm. um, um, or any other. Yeah, yeah, that, that denies the doctrine of, of grace. That it's uh, something that you can. It's all based on us. Yeah, yeah. It's all. It's it's whether we can follow the laws or not. Which and does have like a bit of some psychological um, um, comfort to, where mm-hmm. it's it's no, these things are in your control. Go out and take it. Just do you can do it. Like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, but ultimately that's not a comforting thing. Right. But I, I can see but how it someone. Like it. it sounds right? like it. Yeah. And, and so this is in in part of the argument kind of sounds reasonable. This yeah. is a, a, I think this is a quote. This might be. A quote of Pelagius, or again, this is attributed to this him. is ultimately where my criticism of like Jordan Peterson and the, and the uh-huh. sort of the new the new atheists. Well, he's not a new atheist, but the sort of this this um, the yeah this, this wave of, of of relooking at these ancient texts as just things to inspire you towards yeah. you know cultivating the divinity within and becoming sort of a better person. Uh, um, if you if you Google Pelagius Pelagius or, or Pelagianism, you'll the first image that pops up. Have you, do you all know this? No, I only know this because I've been preparing for the podcast. It's a picture of Jordan Peterson on the right and Pelagius <laughs> on the left. No <laughs> way, yeah, that's the first picture that comes up. Yeah, yeah, I forget if it's on the Wikipedia. It can't, funny. There's no way it can be on the Wikipedia page, but there's no. I think an article that. Essentially called really? Peterson oh. the new Pelagianism. Oh, man, no, I really. thought I figured oh. it out myself. You did. You figured it out independently? That yeah. Counts? yeah. Well, okay. That doesn't count. It counts. Not in this world. Okay, it does. So this is so just to, to further expand what Graham is talking about, because I, I think this is important to understanding why Pelagianism was popular, is that there is a certain logic to it. 
This is, again, I think this is, either this is Pelagius or attributed to him. After so many notices, drawing your attention to virtue, after the giving of the law, after the prophets, after the gospels, after the apostles, I just do not know how God can show indulgence to you if you wish to commit a crime. And there's something to that where it's like, well, yeah, like you give us a set of laws, you expect people to follow those laws. I mean, it's a, it's a wrong view, but I understand. I can see in that why it was Mm -hmm. appealing. Okay. So it it almost shoulder your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, It feels like a, a good old American like you can do it if you put your mind to yeah, it, right? Yeah. Take take responsibility for your actions. You know, tie your tie your shoelaces, get up in the morning, and go and chop some wood, right? Yeah. It's, it's very it's very much a, a you based thing. Yeah. So this um, worldview again will, I mean, I say it falls out of favor. There are seeds of Pelagianism even still today. I, I guess the, whatever. Most people are not like reading Pelagius and then saying, ah, oh, yes, I agree with yeah, this. Yeah, it's yeah. just kind of like a nascent. I think works righteousness is just a natural tendency because it's easier to understand. So in some ways it is, um, Augustine will fight against Pelagius. This worldview will eventually be uh, condemned by a council. And so it's kind of, I guess, defeated in that way. Um, eventually, uh, there is a young dude who I just went too far in my screenshots of all these quotes and got to a picture of a bunch of diapers. So that's my life right now is, I have a kid. Y'all know that. Uh, no, the question is why you're taking pictures of diapers. Uh, I was shocked by how our, <laughs> one of our clo- an entire closet is just like like a like the top of one of our entire closets just covered. It was just like filled with diapers. I mean, you can so. throw them away. New ones. Why would I throw away what? Oh, so yes. Just to be clear, I, yeah. I keep all the old ones because I'm just going to miss this time <laughs> in his life. <laughs> sorry, what? Um, First time father. Yeah, sorry. I just I, I can't just bear throwing anything out. Poop is so. <laughs> Okay, so I made uh, that poop. The the name of so Julian is the name of the dude who will write against um, Augustine. Julian of Eclanum, Eclanum. Um, Augustine will shoot him down by essentially insulting him. It's kind of a bummer to read the back and forth between them. Augustine will die before finishing his final letter, which is just um, essentially vitriol uh, against Julian. Um, is Julian the young upstart? Yeah, jo- yeah, Julian's the young upstart. So it's kind of a bummer. And he's to read a that. donatist. Please? No, he's not a donatist. Mm. He uh, Peter Brown makes reference to him as like uh, being a hundred years too early. Like he he does have like decent theology, but he comes at it by saying Augustine is wrong instead of saying I think this thing is true. And so Augustine takes that attack poorly and he's a crotchety old man so that happens. Okay, so toward the end of his life uh there's a 390 is the date that I said before that's like a big deal sack of Rome. Um 410 uh, there is another big one. Let's see if I can find my quote on that one. But the the big deal of the 410 attack is that um, the, the Gauls like break into the city of Rome. They mm-hmm. get past the gates. They're like in, they're in the city and they are, um, looting and pillaging and lighting stuff on fire. Man. And it was like, uh, th- and this is like one of those, uh, deeply affecting, um, mm-hmm. uh, moments. Um, but Augustine through the whole thing stays pretty calm. Uh, he, he has no deep love for Rome. He has no deep love for kind of like classical antiquity, a funny thing about Augustine is that he never learned Greek. Uh, he is one of the few like early church fathers who only knows Latin. Um, and so he is not, he's not worried about this. He sees that this attack has a purpose. He will eventually view this attack on Rome in the context of Disciplina, like what we talked about two episodes ago. His reaction to the catastrophes of 410 reveals the elemental bedrock of the ideas that he had crystallized in justifying the controlled catastrophe of the coercion of the Donatists. The human race as a whole needed disciplina, discipline, by frequent unwelcome impingements. And so his God is a stern father who will scourge the son he receives. And you, you spoiled son of the Lord, you want to be received but not beaten. So That is kind of like the Ozymandias Watchmen view of... <laughs> yeah, good, good, thank you. That we need... Uh, well, that's more like, uh, isn't it an attack on... New York to like bring the world together. Isn't that what? Yeah. yeah. You get this giant space monster yeah. or something that attacks New York city to, um, united through it, to unite us. Yeah. Um, but what we need is we need a horrible thing to happen to us to make us better. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's what Augustine's saying. You know, yeah. You know, you've read too much philosophy when you're sitting watching an action movie and you're like, <laughs> like siding with the super villain. You're like, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, Yep. You'd like get outside and talk to your neighbors and stop <laughs> so, reading so many know, books. There's no, there's no point at which you should stop reading books. Okay. So how bad was it really though? This is a account from someone at the time, the man of God, uh, this is, um, 
forget if this is, so there's a dude who wrote Augustine's biography, like right after he died. And I, I don't know if this comes from that. Um, the man of God saw whole cities sacked, country villas raised, their owners killed or scattered as refugees, the churches deprived of their bishops and clergy, and the holy um, virgins and ascetics dispersed, some tortured to death, some killed outright, others as prisoners reduced to, to losing their integrity in soul and body to serve an evil and brutal enemy. The hymns of God and praises in the churches had come to a stop in many places. The church buildings were burnt to the ground. The sacrifices of God could no longer be celebrated in their proper place, and the divine sacraments were either not sought or when sought, no one could be found to give them. And that is, and as, um, we're almost there. And as Rome, um, I guess as Hippo is essentially falling to um, these like outside attackers as outside force, um, Augustine's Augustine is he's not killed by them, so he's protected in that degree. But he is watching well, because he's also in Hippo. He's not in Rome, correct? But I'm saying by him being on the outside of um, the empire, mm. he's like seeing it firsthand. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. seeing um, essentially all of the cities that he had built up, all the churches he had built up, burned to the ground, mm. destroyed. Mm-hmm. His entire life's work is destroyed before him um, as he is an old man. Um, he is eventually put on bed rest. Um, and he, his works survive, his library survives. Um, but everything he built his life around is destroyed. And, um, he sees, um, I, I believe the council that condemned Pelagianism came after his death. So what he, he died thinking that this heresy was going to continue spreading in the church, that this young, um, this young Julian would, um, malign him and tear down his works. And again, all the churches he had built, um, uh, put to put to the torch, put to fire, and that's the that's the life of Augustine. That's how that ends. But you, I don't even I don't associate Jeez. him with someone who is like despondent and in um, despair at the end of his life. He's Cause, not because I mean when you read City of God, it's it's uh, so it's like, not this. Oh, the world's gonna burn. Let's mm-hmm. all go to heaven. It's no. These things are interwoven with each other, and God's providence is nevertheless. And I think that's the significance of him seeing uh, that final, the push of the barbarians into Rome as discipline, not as the end of the world, not as pure destruction, not as any like cataclysmic event, but as mm-hmm. a discipline for the children of God, hmm. in which God is still sovereign, in control of the entire t- thing. Well, it implies a future. Yeah. But, right? that's, but like even, so again, in reading this biography, Augustine's life is is largely defined by these three heresies that he's fighting his entire life. It sounds so much harder to be a Christian in that time. Like um, these heresies started spread throughout the entire church and then died quickly to be picked up then by another heresy spread throughout the church. Like Augustine does not get this sweet time of everything's perfect and everyone believes the right thing. He was constantly fighting for true belief, did not lose hope. I totally agree with that. He might become a little cold and withdrawn in seeing how he is responding to Julian at the end of his life. But yeah, City of God is written after that 410 attack on Rome. It's, mm-hmm, it's, it's mm-hmm. written kind of in, as, in response to it. In, yeah, exactly. It's like kind of an encouragement to the Christians, um, like experiencing all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot that is positive in the end of his life, but also, I mean, that's what he had to to see. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, um, attacking you know hordes of barbarians are kind of like at, at at his door is what as at the end of his life. Mm-hmm. So, that's my boy Augustine. It's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Inspiring for for today. I mean, just not that we have hordes of barbarians at the gates, but just the um, just the thought of yeah of of um, maintaining steadfastness in the midst of of uh, mm-hmm. yeah. But that's what still unsettled uh, theological yeah, opinions. I, I, mean. I, I should end on the hopeful note of like Augustine does not lose hope, even though he's seeing like widespread heresies throughout <laughs> the church. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he, yeah. he holds to that. All this, God is controlling all these things that um, the church will be brought through it. The church will be sustained through right. all of those times. Um, so there is an optimism there mm-hmm. in the face of like horrible, <laughs> horrible misery. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, and that has been, this has been Classical Stuff You Should Know. You can check us out on the web at classicalstuff.com. Or classical stuff you should know. No. This is classicalstuff.net. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can on send us an email. Information at superhighway. Classical stuff at veritasacademy.net. You can tweet at us, C L S S C A L stuff. And we always love to get your emails. We read every single one, even if we can't always get to the things that uh, that we'd love to get to. Um, sometimes we get sent 
you know, like writings and stuff. We can't always get to those, but uh, we'd love to. Um, we just don't always have the time. So send those in and yeah. we will definitely read them. We'll try to respond to as many as we can. And we're grateful to have you guys as listeners. Yeah. Uh, yep. This is all, all that we do is for you guys. So anyway, this is uh, AJ Graham and B's signing off. So thanks for having us. Bye. Bye. Bye.